we called your mom. We don't want to talk to you. We want to talk to your mom. (laughs) Put your mom on. I don't have any blueberries in my teeth today, do I? No, but I had blueberries this morning, too. They're sneaky. Well, they were delicious for me. You know what? What's happening here in the Midwest? Mm. Well, I don't even know if Ohio's considered Midwest, but... It is. You can buy blueberries. They look like blueberries. And when you're biting them or chewing them, rather, it's like it would be with a blueberry, but they don't have a very good taste. It's like there's no taste. So... What's that mean? What do you mean? You're telling me they're selling blueberries with no taste? You're just saying the blueberries aren't good right now. Uh Uh-uh. They're not good. They're not really in season. You were making it seem like... (laughs) You were making it seem like they are as a new kind of blueberry. It looks like it. They actually called... I was just reading a whole thing about how, like, uh, Brussels sprouts in the 60s and 70s are just fundamentally different than Brussels sprouts today. Like, people used to make fun of Brussels sprouts. It's like, oh, that's the vegetable that tastes bad. And then they try it now. And it's like, oh, this tastes great. But it's because, mm. it's because the actual genetic vegetable has changed. And really? That's a good thing, I think. Those things were awful. My mom would never make us eat them. She never but cooked I them herself. I love them with butter and salt. I know you, I know you do. I've been with you before when so you've ordered them. So they've changed. It's not that as an adult your taste buds change. You, so some things you do change as you age. Yeah, like I, I think your taste buds do change. <laughs> Remember I used to like roll down the window at the gas station? Mm-hmm. I still do it. a little bit. You still it reminds like me of my dad, though. Mom, clear your throat. Why? He's <clears throat> like, it reminds me of my dad. I was just doing my, <laughs> my, my Kermit imitation. <laughs> no. Okay, this is one thing to put on the to-do list. I know we've been talking about blueberries and Brussels sprouts, but also, have you tried cotton candy grapes? just want to throw it out there. They're insane. I've been looking for them. I've Maybe been they're just out them. here, but Susie and Megan told me about them. And you take a bite of them, they're a green grape, and they taste like cotton candy. Oh, I often look for those. Chris was like, no, that sounds genetically modified, and I will not put that in my body. <laughs> I was like, right up my alley. <laughs> oh, here's another, here's another funny thing. You know how you get the little oranges, and they're called cuties? Yes. Okay, Kroger, I, I put cr- cuties down on my click list and they said no such thing found so then i went to oranges i mean i went the whole thing guess what kroger calls their little clementine cuties adorbs no yes that's just silly adorbs all right oh well well Well, now we need to talk about Gigi a little bit right we need to Get excited about talking to Gigi. She was such a a smart lady. Yes. Yeah, we we did. She's adorbs. She is adorbs. I I just think that, you know, for Bert's parents, being a teacher, early childhood, with all her knowledge and uh, experience, and then his dad is a lawyer, and, you know, they're very successful people on their own. But I kind of love their philosophy of letting their children be who they are. Yeah, I love that too. It was a good. It was a good app. Let's roll that. Let's roll the clip. Roll All that right. beautiful cutie footage. All right, sounds good to me. Hello. Gigi? Hey. Hi, Gigi. 
you confused me with the Zoom thing because I'm used to Sorry Zooms on mine. That's okay. That's we didn't okay. we didn't <laughs> want to make you um, you know have to see Look us. us. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I like the, uh, audio call creates so good. <laughs> yeah, you know, I also think it's one of those things where you you as a mother have more probably. Um, experience with it than most mothers at like at my mom and yours age, but like you know with Zoom and things. But you know more about podcasts than most mothers would. And nowadays, <laughs> podcasts are also visual. They used to just be radio. Oh right, it's like yeah, you know what happened. So that's why I prefer no video and just audio. So you don't have to put makeup on or anything. Oh, yeah, that's, that's very true. <laughs> Usually, so, I have. Uh, I do, um, well, now in the last eight months, all of my work is done on Zoom, uh, you know, on video conferencing and uh, our meetings are all uh, virtual. Is that me? And you have to clean your office, uh -oh. <laughs> which, <laughs> you know, you middle of something and, and I like to work in the middle of chaos. For some reason, that's the way my brain works. <laughs> it, that's and, my kind of gal like, right there. <laughs> yeah, so, but people don't like to hire you when they see your office, they go, oh, my God, this woman's brain is crazy. <laughs> We're yeah, so happy to talk to you. This is a real treat. I know. Thanks it for really taking is. the time, Gigi. I know, like, yeah. you're you're with your grandkids a little bit during the days, it sounds like, and yeah. working. And you're yeah. a new, you're a tour bus transplant to Los Angeles, it sounds like. Oh, my God, yes. Yes. It's <laughs> How was that? How was a tour bus Across the United States, was it fun? Was it crazy? Was it relaxing? Um, it was all of those things. I think um, <laughs> it was, the only problem was you don't move, you don't get up, and you don't walk around if it's okay. in motion, because oh. you will be in motion. Um, and uh, my Al Bert's dad had just broken his hip two months before, so oh, no. I didn't. Oh. I, we just wanted to get there with all of our bones intact. So we, we watched, <laughs> he worked on the bus. He would open his computer and he, you know, uh, continued working because it, eight hours a day in the bus is a, at, you know, at, that's a, a long stretch. drive. Yeah, it's kind yeah. of a job and, in itself. Just <laughs> yeah. is very different than, you know, just taking a trip where you're trying to get someplace. Mm -hmm. um, but it was, it was absolutely lovely. And um, we watched a lot of TV and, uh, you know, it was, it, it was delightful. But did you sleep on the bus too? I, we did not sleep on the bus. Leanne okay. uh, really advised us to go into hotels. And that was the saving grace because um, to get up every day, you know, we, we, you, when you go into a hotel, you spray it down, you wipe it down mm -hmm. and... We, you know, but hotels are pretty aware these days of how they have to sanitize so that they're not on the six o'clock news as the hotel, the COVID <laughs> hotel, you know. Inside um, edition, right? <laughs> they do that. Yeah. The string of Hampton Inns. <laughs> yeah. What's on uh, your, tune in, find out what's on your nightstand. Yeah, they yeah. use that black light. Yeah. Oh, gross. Yeah. I know. And so he picked. Wait. Really so scared. he picked you up, Gigi. He picked you up in Florida. Then picked us up in Tampa. Okay. And uh, if you've seen Bert's tour bus, uh, mm -hmm. it's it's a, a wee tad ostentatious. 
So, um, although <laughs> no, it was, it's not Bert. You can't believe it's not Bert, no. <laughs> uh, it was pink and blue, which I thought was interesting. And, and then Bert shirtless and hot summer nights on the side. So it's not, <laughs> it's not something perfect. that neighborhood because it reminds everybody that your son's a little bit about a little bit out of bounds Uh, (laughs) it is nice to drive down the highway and have everybody honking at you um and then the look of disappointment on their face when these two old farts wave out the window to them (laughs) where is he he went into one went into one hotel and uh this poor little kid well, not, you know, the young adult comes flying. Is, is he here? Is he here? And I thought, oh, they're working next year, you know. It's like, his driver said, um, no, these are his parents. And the look of disappointment on that kid's face was hysterical. So, yeah. Oh, yeah, just, that's cute. It, it, that's cute. It was interesting. And, uh, uh, we don't know when we're going back because uh, we're, you know, we don't know what we may be here for quite a while. Which, I was going to uh, say this must be the longest you've been in LA. I mean, to be honest with you, you know, we've we've just met now over the phone, but I'm a comic like Bert, and I'm used to touring most of the time, and this is also yeah. the longest that I've been in LA. <laughs> and I moved mm-hmm. here 13 years ago. I mean, and I'm probably yeah. just in and out. My daughter, eight months. That's yeah. a long time. Yes. Oh. Yeah. You know, that that's very true. And, and Al and I really were quite fine with, not quite fine, but, you know, resigned to staying in Tampa for Thanksgiving and Christmas. And when Bert has always had, if Bert wants something, it happens. Mm-hmm. And <laughs> Bert wanted it. And he had originally arranged to bring us in for the birth of Cotty's little girl. And uh, Albert hit the day before the bus was to pick us up, or the week before the bus was to pick us up. So, uh, you know, that was what it was like raising Bert. If Bert wanted something to happen, it happened. Um, (laughs) And so Bert was going to stay LA. Now, but he has not, he does. I don't see that determination in getting us home. So that's why I say I may be. <laughs> I think they're probably really excited that you're there. And, and how exciting to, you know, have a, is it a little girl, a little boy, this newborn? Yeah. Well, we, uh, uh, Bert, of course, has two teenagers. Yeah. And Audie okay. uh, and her husband, Mike, have a three-year-old little boy who okay. is a, and, and a, a two-month-old little girl. The little girl's oh. absolutely princess perfect. And mm-hmm. the little boy, I think, is absolutely normal. <laughs> Not like But he's exactly in that he's like mo- in motion all the time. <laughs> he he's too smart for his own good, is what the problem is. Oh my gosh. And so, yeah, he's entirely too smart for his own good. You know the elf on the shelf? Well we yes. put the elf up and and Ted is um Ted, when he wants he wants what he wants when he wants it. He's three. <laughs> he just turned three. They're all like that. I work in um, early childhood. I teach teachers how to take care of infants through four year olds. So oh, uh, that's why I look at my. Well, he's he's fine. You know, he's just he's too smart for his own good. Just doing his thing. Yeah. So yeah, you're probably most aware. Yeah, and so I we say to him, you know, oh my God, Woody's gonna Woody's gonna see that. Woody has to report to Santa. So. 
He knows what he's in the other room and he's angry. And we told him when he's angry, go in his room and scream. So he goes in his room and screams. So he did something and he got mad and he screamed. And I, I said, I said to him, Oh my gosh, I hope Woody didn't hear that. And he looks at me and he says, is, is Woody deaf? And, you know, when he says stuff like that, that's the kind of kid he is. He's just, it's always something. I, I had him on the counter today. We had been saying to him when he wants something, patience, Ted, patience. So I had him on the counter. Oh, Ted, come on, come on. And he looks at me and goes, Nana. And the little finger goes up, patience, Nana, oh. patience. <laughs> <laughs> oh, know. I love that uh, age. I think that's a really great well, age. <laughs> I have great faith that he's going to be something spectacular someday. But, I think but if so. We get streaming, it would be better, better off. <laughs> I love that How they have cute. you there this often. I, I was going to say for you, Gigi, did you grow up in Florida or how did, where did you grow up? I grew up outside of Philadelphia uh, in Wayne, Pennsylvania. Wayne, Bryn Mawr, a bunch of little towns. Looks like a little Hallmark card. Uh, That's where they film Hallmark movies. No way. um, (laughs) I love Hallmark movies. (laughs) (laughs) Um, uh, Al went to law school down in Florida. And so that's how we got down to Florida. And the economy... When Al graduated in 73, we were out of college in 70, and he was out of law school in 73, was going to hell in a hat box. Yeah. And so the economy was booming. So that's why we went back to Florida. We lived in Philadelphia for two years, and then we went back to Florida because okay. it was just so easy to start a practice. And um, it was a good move. It was a very mm-hmm. good move. Sounds so. like it. When you yeah. were in Wayne, like, I guess growing up and stuff, is it more rural or what was your kind of life like growing up? Um, in Pennsylvania? Well, I, I, I'm the, I'm the definition of white privilege, I think. Um, (laughs) and, and, and you have to learn that when you are, you have to learn how not to be, you have to learn what the rest of the world is, is doing. And, uh, I came from a very large family. I have eight brothers and, uh, I was second. So I, you know, and um, it Eight was brothers. a different time I guess, in the fifties and sixties. And uh, I always often joke and said I could have had my own float in Disney World. My childhood was so, um, oh. you know, lovely. That's <laughs> and amazing. Then, uh, yeah, and and um, but I was fortunate that my parents, although uh, my father did well, my parents were the children of Irish immigrants. And so they had marvelous middle-class values. And mm-hmm. we were raised with this broad ethic and, and um, we were isolated. We were Irish Catholics. So, you know, God forbid you talk to a, a non-Catholic. That yeah. was the fifties. And um, so uh, it was, I was very isolated. And then when we, uh, Al and I were married right out of college and did you went guys to meet Florida. In, in, in Wayne, you and Al? Yeah. Al was from Long Island and he went to prep school down in uh, Malvern, Pennsylvania. And I was at the girls' school and he oh, was at the boys' cool. school. And so I knew oh, him <laughs> prep school, but started dating and he went to uh, Villanova on oh, cool. um, down, which is a little, it, it's a university, a little town down uh, and, and then I went to, um, a college up uh, close by 
and then uh, so we dated all through college and married. But then wow. uh, that's we went down to um, Florida for law school, and okay. that's how that's when I had to grow up. And uh, I, you know, it was the best thing that ever happened to you is when you go out and you're put in a position where um, nothing is familiar, and you yeah. have got to figure out how you're going to navigate this this and right. and figure out just because you came from a certain set of experiences does not mean that they were important enough for you to try to uh, be upset that you don't have them anymore. <laughs> right. Mm-hmm. So, I, it really is. Yeah. I mean, you know, like you're saying, it's sink or swim there. You know, I, I obviously have friends that we grew up with that were like, like you're speaking of more privileged or well-to-do or had a certain sort of lifestyle uh-huh. and uh, it can really go uh, either way, you know, getting you like throwing yourself into that real world experience of, saying like, yeah, I think it's that idea of like where money comes from, you know, like even for me when I didn't come from money, like, and I started making money as a comic out here. It's so, it's still so precious to me that I'm like, I can go out to eat. Cause I remember the days <laughs> of not being able to. So I think it's that, it's that smack in the face of like, Oh, this stuff costs things. <laughs> yes. I was always so shocked when I would was subtracting in my checkbook, like, what the heck, you know? <laughs> yes, <laughs> exactly. Sometimes I still look at my credit card and I'm like, no, how could that be? And I add it all up and I'm like, checks out. Uh, that definitely checks out. <laughs> uh-huh. You did that. You bought I that. I did. I went yeah. ahead and did that. <laughs> did you, when you went yeah. to Florida and Al was going through law school, were you teaching? You said you had... Um, you had a background in early childhood. What were you, were you working at with, um, children at that time or what were you up to? Yeah, no, I was a classroom teacher. I taught third grade. Oh, I taught for two and I had Bert and in the early seventies, childcare was first of all, very expensive. And second of all, extremely hard to find because, Mm. uh, uh, and and so I, I stayed home, and Al okay. finished his third law school. And then when we came up to Philadelphia, we moved back to Philadelphia. I uh, tutored, and I worked part time, but really was stay at home mom for Bert and Annie. And then mm-hmm. when we back to Florida, and, um, and of course Al was working at that point. Um, when we came back to Florida. Uh, and they went to preschool, I was offered a job in their preschool and I took it. That's how I got into early childhood. Um, then when when Bert went off to Bert and Annie went to a private school and I was offered a job as a first grade teacher there. So I always taught kindergarten first or second or third. And that Mm -hmm. is still considered early childhood because the brain does not is in a stage from birth till age eight. Um, I see. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. And it's a formative years. That's the the most formative time of your life. Mm-hmm. So anyway, then then uh, as they got older, uh, I just kept doing. I'm not someone that ever applies for a job. I I'm always fortunate <laughs> that the job falls in my lap, and I think, wow, that is going to be a great great ch- opportunity. So. Um, oh, that's wonderful. I, that's great. I ran 
in an early childhood center. I was the principal of an early childhood center. And then I did a lot of work nationally for um, accreditation, childcare. Uh, there's the early childhood. You can keep them alive to five or you can really educate them and understand what's going on in the brain. But to really educate a child in a childcare setting is extremely expensive. So um, I would never own a childcare center because I'm, I'm, I would lose tons of money. Trust me, I would be out on the street. Mm. But it, it's it's a very um, it's a critical time of of life. Your brain develops eighty percent of what it needs to know the rest of your life before you're wow. six. What? Mm-hmm. Well, if you wow, sit, that you is learn to so walk, crazy. Uh, all, I can believe it though. You, I mean, I do believe it. Eighty percent of what you need to yeah. know before six, age six. Yeah. Now. You know, you don't need to read. You don't need to do algebra. You don't need physics. You don't need, but you do need to know how to self-regulate. You need to know how to be self-reliant. You need to know how to communicate. You need to know how to go to the bathroom. You need to know how to walk and feed yourself and take care of yourself. I mean, so when I'm talking about brain growth, um, I'm talking about the the essential life skills that you need to know. And if the child is raised in a... um, negative environment, a negative childcare center, mm-hmm. then that impacts the way they think of themselves. So, right. um, you know, it's, 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 don't start me. And if, if Bert hears this, like, oh my God, mom. Well, you know, nobody wants to know that stuff. We're actually pretty fascinated because like, you know, um, I remember like I went to this uh, like experiential therapy program and they were speaking of like just even – people underestimate even what you absorb experience and how it forms you from the womb. Mm. Right. So one of our therapists was saying her mother hid her pregnancy and um, how even that can affect someone's development early on or feed into their personality and stuff. Like if it was a hidden pregnancy and you, it can affect, am I wrong in saying that? Do do you agree? Well, the way your parents feel about you is your understanding of your value. Right. Because so that's probably what it plays into. Right. It does. So I don't know. I, I don't know much about in utero. Yeah. Um, and you need it. I, I believe it would affect it, but I'm not going to go out on the limb because that's not yeah. what I do for a living. Yeah. But mm-hmm. I know uh, that um, if you, if the child looks into the face of the parent it's the mirror he looks into, he or she looks into to see how they're doing. Mm-hmm. And you know, in any relationship you're in, um, if your partner is in a bad mood or is angry at you, it affects you. Mm-hmm. And, it, and children don't understand that uh, you're angry at the, at, at the mailman or at the barber. Right. <laughs> you're angry. And yeah. so that's why divorce is so hard on children because they believe they caused it. At right. some level. And mm-hmm. even though, you know, I mean, it's all of your life experiences teach you something. They, they, you absorb them. And so it's, uh, you know, in early childhood, we can't control the family, but we can control the day and we can make sure that, that the environment is as emotionally healthy and stable as it can be for all children. And that mm-hmm. means that those children that live in poverty and homelessness, that live in violence, that are physically or sexually abused, um, that we still have to take care of them. Yeah. 
Uh, yeah, because and more and more they, it seems like, and, yeah. They can, they can be acting out. Once a child gets in a safe environment, they act out. They let go of that stuff. And so it's, it, that's why I say it's very, very expensive to do it right because you right. can't have a one, one, child, one teacher and 10 children if two of them are struggling. Right. And being, you, know, with, you have all this like knowledge and stuff. Did you feel, you know, sometimes like our, my sister is a nurse, for example, she's got four kids and, you know, I think obviously what you do, you apply at home. Did you feel like <laughs> you knew too much? <laughs> oh, Beth. Uh, well, <laughs> first of all, when my, when Bert had his girls and I would be with them, they would constantly, all three of my children would constantly look at Leanne and say, we just want you to know she was not this nice when she was raising us. Yeah. <laughs> oh, oh come on, I, kids. <laughs> I, I can remember talking to parents at three o'clock. They'd come into my office and, oh, my God, so-and-so's doing such and such. And, and what do I do? And I'd say, well, just relax. This is normal. This is the, what the diet, blah, 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 blah. <laughs> and give them advice. They, they, they would come they would go out. Oh, Miss Gigi, you just, you saved my day. This is wonderful. I'm going to go. Then at six o'clock that night, my kid did the same thing. And I did exactly what I told them not to do. (laughs) (laughs) Why is it? Why is it we do that sometimes? I mean, we. (laughs) There's this emotional reaction. My child is an animal. Oh, sorry. (laughs) But when it's someone else's kid, I can be really understanding. So that, and my mother had a, a saying that I repeat constantly. And she said, please don't brag about my child. They'll make a liar out of you in 10 minutes. And, <laughs> oh, you my know, gosh, that's funny. <laughs> well, you know what, though? I, I also taught, I taught music, though, for 34 years. And I, I uh, retired three years ago. And I think... It also is that you, when you're in school all day and you're dealing with so many children and so many situations that you don't always have a, oh, like a downtime between leaving school Mm -hmm. and then, you know, picking Mm -hmm. up your kids or. um, Well, I think it goes both ways, though. I mean, kids kids can be a hit. Like I could be a hit over at Fiona's or Amy's. And then the minute I come home, I'm like, whatever, mom, leave me alone. <laughs> I know. Yeah, yeah I, I think that we just, it's a unconditional love is balance. like, a, but unconditional love is obviously a powerful thing. It can also cause what is the word I'm looking for? Complacency, you know, because I know you're going to love me no matter what. And that's true. Yeah. I mean, I, I yeah. But it is. You've been patient all day. You've been dealing with so many different circumstances. And when you get home, I always used to really look forward to getting home. I couldn't wait to see my kids. And if they'd had a bad day or something happened at school to them, I think sometimes it's like you said, it's different when it's your own child because you want. Yeah. Yeah. But it sounds. Oh, you go. Bert was very, very sensitive to any uh, group management techniques I tried to use. And so, if I, uh, for instance, if I said, okay, here are your two choices. And I, you know, the trick you do, you can go to bed now or you can go to bed in three minutes. Yeah. And if I pulled it like that, Bert would say, mom, 
stop treating me like one of your students. Treat me like your child and yell at me, you know? Oh. <laughs> yeah. And So he caught on. He, <laughs> he was on to you. Yeah. He was, That's he, funny. It was too smart for Yes. So, um, I, and then there's a saying, you should never teach the age you go home to. And that's very true in early childhood, because if you're teaching toddlers and then you go home to a toddler, that just is overload. You know, that. But what were you supposed to do? Give them away for third grade? (laughs) (laughs) Well, Mm -hmm. that's just, I don't think you, you know. Yeah. And I can remember, uh, I taught first grade. We had two first grade classrooms. I taught first grade in Cotty. Our youngest was in the other first grade. And it was back in the day when you did dittos, which were a perfect oh, yes. waste of time. Purple, anyway, so purple hands, I purple everywhere. Write, yeah. uh, I would have written that I had created the worksheet and I would sit down with her and I, she would, I would say, no, this is it. She says, mom, you don't know what that answer is. Only Mrs. Hill knows who that, what that answer is. I said, Cuddy, I wrote the darn she said no. <laughs> yes, I do. Yes, I do. Um, the answer is in Mrs. Hill's head. I said, "Well, you, you just write what you think." She goes, "No, you can't do that, Mom. the The way you do school is the answers in the teacher's head, and yeah, you have funny. to guess what the answer is. It's not, and it's not about what I say. It's about the teacher knowing the answer." She said, it can't be your answer. It has to be Mrs. Hill's answer. I'm like, oh, God, this ditto business is really for the birds. (laughs) You're like, how do I explain that I'm the person who filled Mrs. Hill's head? (laughs) That's pretty cute. Oh, dear. I I will say, I, you know, I was like, I I mean, I don't know about Bert. Like, maybe we can hear, I'll, I'll ask a specific question about Bert. But for me, I was, I, I'm, I'm a type A comedian, you know, like, I definitely, my report cards growing up were often like talks too much or, or, um, you know, doesn't, doesn't work well work with well in a small group. Right. <laughs> Thank you, mother. She oh, knew, she, verbatim. Um, well, that was just one that were, I saw. Yeah, no, times. I'm not, I'm, I'm not judging. I'm just saying yeah, like, I know, but I also still got my good grades. Like I'm, I, I'm very organized comedian, you know, and I'm curious. It's like, I responded well to a strict teacher, like Mrs. Eschbach in third grade was one of my favorite teachers because she really yeah. kept it tight. And she did let me act out a little. I, I could get a joke in or two. And then it was like a stern look and back to work. Back to so work. what were some of Bert's, I guess, you know, was he a good student? What were some of the earliest reports in school? Yeah. Um, Observations. Bert has not changed at all. If you watch Bert on tour, that's what Bert was like. And I went to, I was teaching in the school where he was in school. Um, you saw it was everything. A very, <laughs> yeah, it was a small, private, um, la-di-da, upper crust school. Mm-hmm. Bert never understood that. <laughs> yeah, you're like, and, do you know what I've sacrificed for you? <laughs> Come on, Bert. So, <laughs> I taught there. And we put him, we put the kids in academically strong programs because we knew that I'm, I didn't really understand. I thought, well, I, I want him to be smart. Well, Bert is smart, but Bert's philosophy, and he was very clear about this. Uh, I'm not going to study too hard because if I study really, really, really hard and I get a B, I'm going to, I'm going to be pissed. Um, <laughs> so if I don't study and I get a B, 
I'm really thrilled. And <laughs> you can ask Bert that today. Well, I think we need to take a break. So we'll be right back. After these messages, we'll be right back. I'm not tired. <laughs> In fifth grade, there was a test. This was what Bert was like. In fifth grade, there was a te- an English test, and his English teacher was, there's two kinds of teachers in my world, those who teach children and those who teach subjects. And if you're mm-hmm. teaching children, you're intent on their learning, and they right. know it. If you're right. a, sh- a subject, you don't care about the kid. You don't care. I taught it. You should have learned it, you know, is the, yeah. the attitude. Uh, Maureen Smith, Bert goes up to her after the test, and she, she said, Bert, what's wrong? You failed. He goes, look, Mrs. Smith, trust me. It's not you. It's me. I didn't even study. (laughs) (laughs) You know, she said, and there were teachers, Bert going through school. If you were a good teacher, you loved Bert and you knew how to make it work. If you were a teacher that had to be in total control, Bert had a, a satellite dish on his head. (laughs) He has heat speaking missile for making your life a living hell. And it wasn't that he had anything teachers. It's just school's supposed to be fun, guys. And if not having, I'm not having fun, something's really wrong. And um, and he was there for the social part. Uh, And as soon as he got socially connected, then he could settle down and he could uh, study. And but. The point, he was a B student without trying. Mm-hmm. And it, but it was very expert not to try because yeah. his, his ego couldn't have taken it if he tried and failed. Isn't that and, interesting? I mean, wow. I can relate to yeah. that. I can relate to that. Oh, yeah. I can too. And it, 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 but his, his attitude towards life, and I was thinking about this the other day, he hasn't changed at all. And I don't understand. <laughs> How even you as a comic, I don't understand how you can do it twice a night when you're tired. Yeah. <laughs> I don't understand how the same jokes, the same. And I've been, I've watched Bert. He makes it sound like that's machine. I was going to say that stupid machine story. It's not. He's made a fortune on it. Thank God. But, <laughs> I, you know, I don't know. The machine. I don't know. He tells it over and over again. And he, and it makes it every time he tells it, because I've seen it several times. He brings everybody into the party. And I'm thinking, you know, I'm, I was just, I just drove you down here to the improv. Uh, I know how tired you are. I know how exhausted you're going to be tomorrow. How do you, do, how do you make it look like fun? And how do you turn it on? And that's the thing about, about we're very fortunate that he chose to do something that he wanted desperately to do and he could make it happen. Yeah. And, um, uh, people have said to me, I never knew Bert was that smart. And the, but the point is, he's that kind of smart. There's all yeah. different, it, there's, well, 12 kinds of smart, to be honest with you. <laughs> Howard Gardner's uh, different types of Oh, Howard Gardner, yes, yes. Yeah, yeah the different types of, they've added. Intelligence. Growing up, yeah. it used to be seven, now there's 12, because they added is computers. and okay. yeah. But okay. anyway, uh, Bert, um, Bert, it was fortunate that he was, 
we got out of his way and let him <laughs> grow his kind mm-hmm. of smart and and he chose to do something that it meets his skill set just perfectly yeah because i I'm, frankly there's enough malpractice insurance in any profession to cover him <laughs> i'm just over here thinking like you're talking about like energy and i'm like i agree i'm tired of doing like it's hard to do two shows a night but i'm just very fortunate that i chose a style that's very low-key and relaxed i'm basically i'm like the sarah mclaughlin of stand-up comedy so i'm just like <laughs> i don't have to like expel much energy <laughs> but i do know yeah. what you mean and it's like well Bird is known for his high energy for, for like you're saying that it is a gift of storytelling. There's an element of acting as well in it. Create, create, like that's something I tour with Sarah Silverman or used to in the before days. And one of the things I always learned from watching her is you make it new every time. This crowd is new every time. And sometimes I fall into the worry of authenticity and making it real and present. And therefore I feel disingenuous almost repeating the same thing. So in some ways that helps me because I'll generate a lot more material. But in other ways, I am envious of someone like Bert who can, like you're saying, recreate that same story like it's new each time. And that's a gift in itself. I mean, he's also, of course, as we know, known for ripping off his, his shirt. <laughs> it's a, it's a, it's a, was, was Bert like a never nude as a child? <laughs> was he? Well, actually, wait, the opposite watch. of never nude. What am I saying? Was Maybe he just a, a nude baby? Sensory issues. <laughs> um, Bert, Bert uh, did not like formal clothing. <laughs> oh, that makes sense. <laughs> yeah. Um, he lived in uh, sports attire, shall we say. And what's funny is he lived in a speedo and then cut off Nike shirt till he was about till he had to go to school, and <laughs> then the school he went to, Burke, where I taught, they wore a coat and tie every day, which I thought oh. was insane, but yeah, he did like a uniform, so, like a uh, uniform. Yeah, oh. and then, yeah. Then he, yeah, and then, yes, he wore a uniform, and then in the, his uh, his prep school, he had uh, they didn't wear jackets. I don't say I don't remember jackets but they did have to wear ties. And, you know, if it, Bert did what he had to do, but if it was his choice, no, no. And, that explains uh, a lot. Bert, <laughs> yeah, I mean, if you yeah. if you have to be coat and tie at school every day, no, this is just, yeah. you know, Freedom. rebellion years later. He, it's yeah. payback, baby. Right. <laughs> What's funny, Bert's, um, Al's, um, Bert's grandmother, Al's mother, was from New York City and uh, dressed impeccably, and was very uh, up on the latest fashion. She was a fashionista and mm. kept getting her Brooks Brothers suits. <laughs> oh wow. Which still has it today in perfect condition because I don't know that he ever wore them. But uh, <laughs> yeah. maybe uh, Ted will have to wear them someday. <laughs> I, I, don't, I, I, don't, I don't know. But yeah, and you know, it's, it's interesting too um, when I watch Bert. I we Al and I don't go watch Bert perform because he knows we're in the audience and it it gets in his head. Yeah, yeah, and, I bet. But if you and the reason that is is because the reason Bert can make it sound like the first time I told the joke is that he is hypersensitive to his audience, mm-hmm. and he it when and you know when you go on stage. What's my demographic? What's their rhythm? What's what's the vibe of the night? Uh, do I how do I tweak this 
joke so that it works for this group? What do I kill so that because they're not going to do it? This is not a good night to do that. What do I feel like doing? And, um, yeah. The the tough part about raising Bert was he <laughs> he was emotionally intense, <laughs> and so. Uh, but that's what that's what he you know he brings you in. He reacts to the audience, probably yeah. intense. And um, I've seen him when he gets, has come off stage when he filmed recently in. Um, the, the last Netflix special, I think it was in Ohio, some someplace like that. Oh, and cool. he came up and everybody thought it was fabulous. He goes, nope, didn't like it, did not like it. And he started, I wasn't involved in the conversation, but he was ticking off this, this, this. And they had another filming, the second one. And then, of course, they added the two together. Uh, but I had the girls back at the hotel. And when he came back, I said, well, how did it go? And Leanne said, oh, he loved the second one. He fixed everything he didn't like about the first one. And you, I think the aud- audiences don't understand how technical what you do is yeah. and how it's, it, there, there's so much brain work that goes into it to make it look like you're up there telling jokes, you know, yeah. which is not doing you're up there fighting for your life <laughs> yeah yeah exactly a lot going and on so many brain. factors I mean even if you have like he does this fan base that's come out to see him for the taping you know there are still uh-huh. factors that you can't ignore just how long they had to wait Did, were they drinking too right. long were they not drinking enough Whoa. is it light is it dark you know like you know time of day mean is what I mean by that you know it's just so many elements that come into play and to catch it on film is already a difficult feat to pull off. It's a lot to yeah. juggle. Yeah. But I yeah. use most of my second taping as well. And I typically do, but it's mm-hmm. like, yeah, it's, it's trying to catch lightning in a bottle sometimes with a stand-up special. Oh, mm-hmm. it, uh, well, it's an intense experience that, you just sort of hold your breath as his mother. Because whenever Bert tapes, he, Bert is, I'm sure you know, they're painfully superstitious. Yes. So whenever he tapes. Yes, I've heard about the long, where's the long hair that he has? Eyelash. His ear? Oh, it's his eyelash. eyelash. It's his lucky eyelash. Yes. <laughs> lucky eyelash. Um, he's very um, superstitious. So when he tapes, the first time he taped, Leanne, he, is, he relies uh, very much on Leanne, um, her input, her feedback, her organization, and but they brought the girls in. I don't know why. And Bert said, "Well, I'll bring my mother in. She can take care of the girls." So that was the formula for the first one. It was very successful. So now every Netflix special, I have to go in and take care of the girls. The girls uh-huh, are going to be coming in. I see. Yeah. You know, they're <laughs> And yeah. when they were little, it was great because they didn't give a flying flip what their father did for a living. They wanted to go to <laughs> hotel service and watch movies. Yep. Because uh, the younger one, Isla, could eat all the chocolate candy she wanted because Nana's a softie. Uh, <laughs> and go swimming uh, and, yeah, all the yeah. good stuff so anyway, at yeah. a hotel. So now, now when I come in to do those, I'm very aware of – it's actually the girls – keep him grounded and relaxed when they're there because, mm-hmm. uh, you know, he got the one we did in Philadelphia and the one we did in Ohio, he got to take the girls all through the setup. And you know what it's like setting up a special, the video, mm-hmm. all the cameras and yeah. the wires and the technicians 
And then there's a room with 101 TVs and they're all, um, you know, getting different shots. And that was very interesting for the girls because they're old enough now they can understand it. And it, it takes Bert's mind off of what he's about to do. And then, um, I, you know, I, but then we go, the girls do not stay. So I said, yeah. I said to Georgia, wouldn't you ever like to see father perform? She goes, oh, Nana, no, it's very inappropriate. <laughs> You're right. I mean, look, Smart girl. One, um, I don't know. One time, um, so Bert and I have both volunteered with Stand Up With Comedy, which is a mentor program to teach kids around LA stand-up comedy. It's like an after-school thing. He and I haven't ever uh-huh. been in the same pod together, but... Um, we did a fundraiser at the improv and some of the kids came out and, um, and some of their, it was like teachers, kids, and, you know, people there who bought tickets to fundraise for the cause. And Bert must have missed like the reminder at the beginning while we were all there, all the comics in the back of the improv. Cause he came in from either another show or the bar and he just went straight to stage and they had asked us to like, you know, be clean and not cuss. He basically walked out and was like, what's up fuckers. And we were like, Oh no, no. we're all in the, all the comics were in the back slowly slipping down in their seats. Like, Holy (laughs) shit. I can't believe this is happening. (laughs) <laughs> but it was like something we'll never forget. And you know, whatever kids are going to hear the F word. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, <laughs> it, and it fascinates me that there's that the, our society is so desensitized to that now. And I think what's next, you know, it yeah. becomes, because <laughs> what's next after that. Yeah. So, and his girl fortune yeah. every time, a swear word he had to put money in this jar and Uh-oh. you know they <laughs> daddy word all right let's go <laughs> yeah i think oh. like they'll probably you know it's sort of like that I, I don't know if it's the term i'm looking for rubber band effect i'm thinking like you know they're maybe a little more buckled what am i trying to say buttoned up or something because bird is so wild or what do you think the girls. Well, oh, they no, no. Um, I the Bert is Bert. Bert comedy is not who who Bert is. It's what he does for a living. Yeah. And when oh, Bert that's a is good a distinction. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's it's not what you are. It's what you do. Yeah. Uh, that's all it is. They they've learned to separate that nicely. Although it's uh, Leanne was explaining um, that they're they're get, becoming much more aware of it now because their peers are at an age where they understand uh, the perception of celebrity. Yeah. And, and their uh, lives are really so different, I'm sure, because of even just social media, the girls. Yeah. And, and out here, it's a, that's the primary industry. Right. And right. The, a lot of, the, a lot of uh, their friends, parents were, business in some way shape or form and um it it just and i think too social media has made everybody you know they can have their own their own youtube channel they can be an influencer they can you know and you don't have to have any um ability or talent or training (laughs) you know you just open up set your computer up in your bedroom and go to town so they're becoming (laughs) are becoming other their friends are uh becoming much more aware of 
uh, who who they should kiss up to, you know, <laughs> who, yeah. whose parents maybe. And um, but Bert and Leanne don't live like that. Their friend, their core group of friends are not in. Well, one is in the industry, but he's uh, he is the person on set that makes it all happen. The yeah. manages all the whatever. And he works for big, 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 big things. So, but that, you don't know that about him in their social circle. I mean, it doesn't been. So that keeps the girls grounded. But I mm-hmm. think the older they get, I mean, Al and I know back in Tampa, the perception of celebrity makes people crazy. Mm-hmm. And that's such you know, a when good Bert point. Yeah. Yeah. When Burke comes to town, we get really popular. Everybody wants to be our friend. <laughs> and, uh, you know, it, and, and it's, um, that's probably strange for you to even deal with. Well, you, you, you I, it, Bert's been doing this for 20, 25 years. Right. Hey, mm-hmm. I, we supported him from, for the first, I would say, uh, 10 easily. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Uh, not not totally, but we were subsidizing him heavily. Yeah, and uh, you were the sort of you know back or what am I trying to say? Safety. Right. I see how hard he's worked to get where he is, and I also see how hard he works. It's right. his job. Right. I don't see the whole sort of end. I also don't think celebrity is all that people think it's cracked up to be. Mm-hmm. I think it ruins things. Uh, you know, and I see the fun Bert has with his. Um, people he travels with and the fun he has with the crowds, you know, mm-hmm. in, in the bar, the improvs and the comedy yeah, clubs. Even the, ca- you know, what we're seeing with the cabin, you know, when the, when comics come up in that, that series, the sort of camaraderie yeah. there. And just... Yes. The, it, it's like a fraternity. Yep. Uh, you know, this fraternity mentality. And, you know, I think that's the fun of it. It's the relationships that Bert has within the, the, the business, the industry, that feeds the next step, that feeds what he's doing. And, uh, you know, he, he said to Al and I early on, I never want to be famous. I just want to be working. I want to be able to earn my living doing this because there's really nothing else I want to do. And so he said, mm-hmm. he said to Al, you know, Dad, you're a very good lawyer and you make good money, but you're not a famous lawyer. And that's, <laughs> so he said, being famous is not what you know that's not a goal i just want to work and Mm -hmm. uh and and now he's at a point where he has to be a bit more selective about choosing his projects Mm -hmm. because the type that wants to do everything uh all all at the same time yeah and so uh it's not possible i'm sure yeah what lovely place to be it is a good place i feel like too what you're saying like i i agree like i experienced that fraternity is kind of like the best way to put it other than cult um but (laughs) i feel like (laughs) when you're a comic there there is that sort of happening and i think too that i wanted to bring up like he did sort of lay that groundwork for himself in college you know like being that life of the party being probably like the sort of orator storyteller of his group of friends and that ended up being entertainment like in its own way. Like for anybody who's listening who doesn't know, that was the beginning of, or his story laid the groundwork for, for Van Wilder, the movie. Yeah. 
Yeah. Yeah. Um, and it, fortunately, his parents didn't know that. <laughs> um, <laughs> oh, Gigi, that's funny. <laughs> well, it's interesting because when when he was the number one party animal, <laughs> um, <laughs> it, the, the number of my friends or acquaintances that were appalled, I had one person absolutely, con- she was appalled. She said, aren't you ashamed? Uh, to think that Bert has spent six years partying at FSU. <laughs> Her son was his freaking roommate. Oh dear! I wonder. Oh, oh dear! Are you telling me that you think Bert single-handedly <laughs> brought this school to the number one party status? <laughs> I oh, don't alone. Think so. I think. <laughs> yeah, alone. exactly. I was going to say, Gigi. It sounds like she's a little jealous that her son was number two party animal. <laughs> There's, there was, there's this two-sided piece of, you know, I want my kid to be the, to party hardy, but I also want everyone to think they're pure as driven snow. Mm-hmm. And, you know, uh, you're not supposed to go to college with your kids. You're not supposed to know what they do. Um, yeah. You're supposed to live the illusion of my kid is actually learning something. But when you end up with the Rolling Stone, it's a little hard to do that. But yes, I, you know, I, I think Bert, Bert's college career was very successful because he figured out what he wanted to do and figured out a way to get it done. Um, exactly. On the way up to graduation, Al looked at me and said, you think he'll surprise us with a PhD? I said, no, sweetheart. I don't think that's possible. He's not going to get a PhD. Who knows? That might be the next Netflix <laughs> series. Bert goes back to school. <laughs> oh God, don't say that. that I don't know. That. Um, yeah, but but FSU, the, wait, what were you going to say? Uh, F- oh, go ahead. What F- FSU was very. Um, they were very. Uh, well, Leanne has a as a saying. They showed their hiney because they <laughs> they just shunned Bert immediately. And you want to say to them, you know, what? wait a minute. It's Bert. They acted as if Bert caused them to be the number one party school. They went oh, up dear. to do yeah. an one party school. When this guy lived with Bert for a week, they, the, as the story goes, and you can confirm this with Bert, but they, they were voted the number one. They do it every year. There's always a college that's the number one party school. And so if it was FSU, they, Princeton Review had anointed them because of votes, the number one party school. And so they went up, they said, they interviewed people and said, if you were to give me the five top party people for me to live with to get the, who would they be? And this is the guy that uh, Eric Herdegard wrote the article. And he called me and he said, Bert's name was on every list. I was fascinated to meet this kid. <laughs> and it was actually Eric that told Bert he needed to go into comedy, not to go to back to uh, Tampa and not to go to Atlanta, but to go straight to New York and to live in the village and learn how to do stand up. So it, wow. that experience, that college experience brought Bert to where he is today. But yeah. it's, it is amazing to me the number of people. It comes from an a, a place of envy, or but they resent 
that Bert's life looks like one big fat party. And, you know, you're a comedian, you know, it's not, it's hard work. But there's, they, that's where this shunning happens. It's, it's no, I, everybody has to be just like us. Everybody has to be academic and hoity toity. And no, that Mm -hmm. wasn't Bert's college experience, but work for him. Absolutely. Wow. It sure did. I was just going to say, when I've been learning about Bert and listening to you, Gigi, he reminds me of, of uh, some people I went to college with, and I loved my college experience so much. But there were people like Bert who were so outgoing, so funny, but their real gift was they really knew how to, they just connected with people and they were uh, genuinely um, enjoying whatever experience it was. It wasn't a put on, it wasn't, you know, it was just, that's exactly who they were. And I liked what you said about, this is what he does, but it's not who he is. But I think who he is, is someone who really connects with people and likes people. Um, You can just see that his laugh is, is hilarious. He just gets people to laugh and to enjoy and to find common ground. Yeah. 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 And I think that makes very successful people. They're very successful. These friends of mine were very successful people, either going into their own business or some, some of them were teachers, whatever it was they did. The really, the, the important part of it was the way they could connect with people. And that brings happiness. That brings a life that you can, um, invest in, you know, seems like that's what Bert has done very successfully. Yeah. His own way. Yeah. Yeah. He's, and he's also very fortunate to have had, um, it's, he, he's chosen, well, he didn't choose his parents. So he's lucky on that. That's, <laughs> very lucky. Well, he is lucky. That, very lucky. But, but he chose his wife well. And mm-hmm. Leanne is balanced for Bert. And she raises the girls, uh, they're a very good balance for Bert. So his, I don't think you could do what Bert does and capitalize on Bert's talent for enjoying people and enjoy, you know, being genuine and, and grounded with people if mm-hmm. he didn't have the family support that he has. Bert has two sisters that are so totally grounded. And when he's with them, that's when you see real Bert because yeah. they don't take any crap Um, and, and it's, it's delightful, uh, you know, it just to see it as a parent, because they're all, the three of them are, uh, they're very, very close. Uh, and they're, they play off of each other. I've always thought the three of them are funnier than Bert. The three of them are funnier than Bert alone because of the way they go back and forth each other. They're just so different. The three of them are so different. Mm -hmm. Uh, but yeah, I think that that is. I think in in um, any walk of life, you have to have a safe place to land, and mm-hmm. and that, that strong foundation is where you take. That's what you take off from, mm-hmm. and yeah. that that has that because uh, oh God, comedy is a game of rejection. If you ask me, yeah, <laughs> you know, for many years, it was very tenacious, and it can be and uh, oh. Tell me about it. Yeah. You know what? One thing I always noticed is it can go up in smoke. 
mm-hmm. uh, say the wrong thing, be the wrong place, yep. and all of a sudden you're you are on the TikTok news. You've just lost your whole career. Yep, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. it's pretty wild. And now I yes, think especially because we're all just so accessible. That's the the main thing, and that's how I've mm-hmm. I, I've I've kind of gone with the pandemic into more. I was never overly out there on social media, but it has caused me to sort of just a little more inward in my shell, just sort of be a little more yeah. protective during this time. But I guess I know yeah. we've been, we've kept you here for so long because it was so easy to talk to you, but I just wanted to, I guess one <laughs> last, <laughs> I don't want to keep you too long because I know it's, we've got you for nap time and <laughs> the kids shall awake. <laughs> yeah, they will, yeah. they'll be up. And you'll go through the 12 types of smart with them and then have a snack. (laughs) But (laughs) I guess in closing, um, we love talking to you. And is there anything that maybe, maybe like a, or mom, I don't want to, I didn't want to cut you off if you had another question, but I was just going to say, no, what what might be like one of your proudest moments or just something you wanted to share about Bert before we go, you know, something that came to mind, but maybe your favorite thing that he's done or. Personal or uh, you know, or public. Well, Bert surprises me mm-hmm. at how kind and sensitive he is, and um, you know, one of the, the there's so many times that he has um, that he has shown that he understands that whatever, and I don't mean celebrity in this. Hadi Tadi, whatever whatever recognition he gets, that it is a responsibility. It's not a privilege. It's a responsibility. One of the things he did that I was so proud of was he takes a collection. He well, when clubs were open, um, he would take a collection up at the end of the night and uh, pass the hat, and they everybody would throw money into the hat, and then he would auction it off for the wait staff. Oh, that's nice. That's real nice. Yeah, they work hard. And then he very often would then match it. That they didn't, that everyone on, uh, all the wait staff went home with extra money. But, Mm -hmm. you know, that's that's, very generous. Yep. And, uh, you know, I, there's just things like that, that when he's thoughtful and sensitive to those who do not, do not have the privilege that he has. Um, it makes me aware that he is at least aware that uh, that whatever this privilege is, it's responsibility. And he gives to a lot of charities. I know that they, you know, he and Leanne do a lot of work and they don't ask for, um, they typically do it anonymously uh, mm-hmm. because you're not, you're doing it because you know, there's a need and, and other people uh, aren't, don't have the, bre- haven't had the breaks in life that you have, but uh, mm-hmm. no, he, he, um, he surprises me uh, <laughs> delightfully. So delightfully. So I'm very, uh, he can be very proud of how he lives his life. Um, yeah. His father and I are very proud of him for how he lives his life. Uh, and we don't hesitate to tell him. <laughs> we wouldn't hesitate to tell him. I never have to no. tell him. He's very protective and taking care of his sisters. And, you know, it's uh the three of them are thick as thieves, and that is what a mother, uh, that's, that's what a what parent looks for, yeah. is, is yeah. you know, is this family is strong and intact? Mm-hmm. So, 
Yeah. And it is. That. And I loved yeah. even getting to hear a little bit from Al too on the cabin as well. It's just, yeah, I can see why you're proud. And now yeah. we have it documented forever on this podcast, if you ever. <laughs> <laughs> Gigi, for real, thank you so much for taking the time to talk with us. We just really loved it and appreciate oh, I you. It. Really love talking thank with you. you and I've enjoyed it too. I thought this yeah. was great. Okay, cool. Well, stay healthy and enjoy those grands and yes. your family. <laughs> I um, hope I survive. <laughs> oh, you will. Of course you will. Yeah. <laughs> of course right. you will. Well, thank you. It was thank you, Gigi. To you. you too. Wonderful have a good rest of the day. You too. Okay. Yeah. Right. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Bye. Well, this was a great episode with yes. Gigi. I loved it. Thank you guys for listening, and we'll see you next week. We're looking forward to it. Sounds good. Stay safe. Love her mask. Love you. Nailed it. That was nice. That was fun. I enjoyed that. Okay. I wasn't stressed for you at all. (laughs) Ha, ha, ha.